Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 1235 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer uh, in New York City. Uh, where the Edmonton Oilers are having a team function, CBA mandated off day today, so they won't be on the ice. They'll hit the practice ice tomorrow after uh, kind of an odd game last night, a 3 nothing loss to the New York Islanders. Edmonton ultimately ended up with 50 shots on goal, kind of lost the game in about a two-minute window in the second period. We'll tell you, guests on the show, receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse, whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue, open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. And I'm looking forward to seeing Brendan and the gang at Roos Chris because i got to look after my guys that help the show. And it's about that time as we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline for our friends at GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972, gcldiesel.com. We welcome back to the show Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrusque, regular Thursday contributor to the show. Louis, how are you? I'm doing well, Bob. How are you doing this morning? Good. Did you make it over there? I didn't see you when I left. No. No, I didn't this morning. No. Okay. Well, you... No, I'm... You were invited, you, so you and I, you and I are in the concrete jungle. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> we are in the concrete building jungle. And I'm high in another building. <laughs> yes, yeah. well, we're about a block away from one another here. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to it. How did you see? Like, and I asked Brendan this to open the show today, and I've asked the listeners as well. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You know, was was last night a game where, you know what, the Oilers were chasing, so the 50 shots on goal don't mean anything? Or, you know, did Elias Sorokin steal that game, or did Edmonton just simply not do enough and end up chasing? How, how would you have assessed if somebody's going to look back? Because what's going to happen in a month from now, people are going to say, well, Sorokin stopped 50 shots, and that's why the Islanders won the game. But I don't necessarily think that's the reason why they, they won't. So I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Well, it is. I mean, if you're just speaking facts, I mean, he made every stop. So if you don't get a goal by a goaltender, whether it be regulation, overtime, or shootout, you're not winning the hockey game. So, I mean, it will be a true statement, but I understand where you're coming from, Bob, in the sense that because they were up 2 nothing in the game, and this is a team that plays a defensively structured system, they sit back, they clog things up, one of the best teams, I think, in the neutral zone at doing that, and really make it difficult for you to have possession entries when they go back. 
Um, they were good on pucks, but throughout all of that, Edmonton still found a way to throw 50 pucks on the net. So uh, there was good in that game and there was bad in that game. Uh, the positive for me, and you and I talked about this on the bus coming back last night, is, hey, listen, they didn't go away. They continued to throw pucks in the net. They continued to create chances, and they made Sorokin make his biggest saves in the third period, in my opinion. So for that, I say, okay, that's a good sign, positive. We'll we'll check that on the one side where you say, okay, that's something you can build on for next game. The negative side of the game for me was, again, the the defensive zone coverage, whether it be shorthanded, the goal they scored, the Islanders on a a two-on-one or a one-on-two, it looked like, where... You know, coverage was there. It got broken up, and somehow Pajot was able to slip through there and tap that goal in. Now, I don't blame Campbell for that goal, so that's another positive that I want to lean on, too. I thought Jack Campbell, for his first game in 13 days, played pretty darn well, and as we've seen throughout this year, um, you know what? He, he, he gave him a chance to kind of grind into that game and, and be there and be present, but two breakdowns in that regard. Um, the one off of Bouchard stick, again, a deflection. I don't blame Campbell for that. It goes by him. Yes, it found a way through him. The one-timer by Ajo in the slot. A little bit of a screen by Bouchard flying by him. He's still got a big chunk of it with the glove, but it finds its way home. So I wasn't too worried about the goaltending. I thought Jack actually played very well, and I know that's been a, a topic of discussion this year, but I thought that was a solid game for him, and, and it'll be hard for him to take that away from that because it's a, a 3 nothing loss. But at the same time, that's exactly what he has to do because that's the game you build on. You go on to the next one, you try and duplicate that, and then you'll get some run support and maybe a little bit tougher defense in front of you. And it'll be a one-goal game for longer, and maybe you have a chance with a little more of a a belief that you can tie the game up. But it was a wacky one. I agree with you, Bob. I look at that game, and there wasn't a whole lot happening. I think the start again, and if I had to really boil it down, me too. I, I look at the starts of this team this year, and we talked about this at length last year. Uh, they just seem to work themselves into games. They've taken the first penalty, I believe, now it is 17 times, 16 or 17 times throughout this season where they've taken the first penalty of the game. Um, so that means right away you're killing a penalty off. You're giving the other team uh, the momentum right away to go out there, put their best players on the ice, touch the puck, move it around, and it it just breaks up the rhythm of your team. So that's something they're definitely going to have to dial in. Stop taking those penalties early on. Even whether or not, Bob, you like the call or don't like the call, and that's a whole other discussion in itself that we could go on for hours about, it's the reality. It's the reality they're living with right now. So that number one for me is start on time, make sure you're grinding. The way they grind in the third period, grind early on like that because that's the game I believe they play their best game at. And when they play that way, they can play against anybody. But uh, you open it up and start going north and south, holes start to develop, and teams seem to be capitalizing on that. So it's an area of concern that they just have to dial back in and, and get better at. Yeah, you did reference, was it last night or the, the game before, you got a little exasperated and frustrated with something yeah, that you, you know- saw. As far as officiating, you're talking about well, the dry, the whole dry settle situation. Because yeah, you know, I mean, it was last night, and you know what? Here's the thing. I I even said to my producer Butter, which you, who you know well, Scott Carruthers, is a listen. That's the last rant on the refs tonight for me. I'm not I'm not going to start right. going down this road on a nightly basis. But let's face it, 
It has been. They weren't calling a penalty, it Louis. It, ha listen, it has. It has been inconsistent, and that's the most frustrating part. Is that for us as commentators watching the game, I think for fans at home watching the game, I don't think anybody really knows what a penalty is and isn't anymore. And that's the truth. I don't care what the league feels about that. That's just the way it is right now. I talk to people in the league. I talk to people that watch the game on a regular basis. People that are diehard fans. People that have been in the game and are out of the game now. And every single person to a person says the same thing. Wow, the officiating has been a little bit off this year. Now, I know they're trying to do their best job. I'm not going to sit here and, uh, and say, you know what, they've been terrible every night. I'm only talking about the games that I've watched and that I've been involved in. There's always a time in the game where we're sitting there going, geez, you know, like, what's going on here? They kind of missed a pretty obvious one there, but then they call that one that's a little ticky-tack, and I, I think that frustrates the guys a little bit. I, don't, I just don't well, you know, would know why they would call that right now. Exactly. But I know they're trying to work it out. I know they're trying to figure it out, and they need to, because this is not a discussion that the league wants people around the game to be having on a nightly basis. So that's all I'm going to say about that right now is that they need to be better. They need to be more consistent. I understand it's a really fast game out there, but sorry, it's a really fast game for everybody out there. So they need to figure it out. And that, that's all I'm going to say, and I just need to back off a little bit on that because it's not something that I want to, to eat up the telecast where we're talking about officiating all the time because it's just it shouldn't be yeah. that way. Oh, yeah, but, and, yeah. and you know what? You get more frustrated, you know, if you're in the situation. The reality I, is the well, orders. Here's are the thing. Yeah, I can only count, I can only talk about the Oilers because that's the games that I've done this year. Every single game I've done this year has been an Oilers game. So whether you call that biased, whether you call that homerism, I don't really care what you call it. For me, it's the only perception that I have live. That's what I'm seeing. So when I watch the Oilers, I just don't feel that it leans in their favor that often. I look at it and say, what's going on here? They've got the two most elite players in the game right now offensively to have the puck on their stick a lot. They, they spend a lot of time in the offensive zone duration through games. I, I just I think it should be a little bit more even, but it hasn't been. And I think for Edmonton, it might be frustrating them a little bit as well. And that's something they're going to have to get over too. They're just going to have to go to work, buckle down like they did in the third period. They did start to draw calls once they started to push. When they start to push, they're going to get the calls. So they do go hand in hand, but I, I think that as a viewer, as a, a person that's been around the game for a long time, I would rather you miss a call than call one that I'm questioning. That's just well, the way I am. last night where the dry settle situation, they initially were not calling a penalty on Leon. And exactly. No hands on Because I looked right away. I looked right away. That's the first thing I do when I see a penalty, if I see it. Because yep. sometimes you don't see it. It's behind the player. You're focusing on the puck. And then I'm looking at the screen afterwards going, ooh, I don't know if that was a penalty. Now, he certainly did make pretty good contact with Lee, but Lee also kind of stepped in his way. Like, yep. you can't just step into a guy that's going to get a puck in the corner and not expect him to run into you. Yep. So it's not like he cross-checked him or elbowed him. He just popped him, and it was, boom, two big guys coming together. Lee went down more aggressively. If the hand would have gone up right away, I would have said, well, okay, he went in awkwardly into the boards. But I looked and there was no hand up on the play. So, again, it's just that uncertainty. And the players are looking around going, wait a second, I don't, there wasn't a call on the play. And all of a sudden you're it's going to the box. It's not Louis. It's, it's all right. So then the Islander player jumps, Beauvillier jumps in there, right? He gets yep. a pop in on dry settle. They had an yep. opportunity, to, and, and, but they didn't, and they weren't initially calling the penalty on Leon. And then... John McIsaac doesn't want to talk to Woodcroft yep. to explain this. Uh, that's yeah, what, that's and, then, what, and, then, and he was that, the one, and I, and I brought this up. And listen, I don't like going back from game to game, but I just felt it was necessary. He was involved in that game in Chicago where there were 17 penalties called, 10 against Edmonton. And there was a couple calls there where you're like, are you kidding me? But it almost was like, 
And I don't know what's going on in the ice, and maybe that's a conversation we have to have as far as banter back and forth, but he was almost like putting his hand up going, I don't even want to talk to you guys right now. They lost control. Let's just put, say what it was. They lost control of that game. Now, back in the day, one official could control the game because he was the law. Simple as that. When there's two officials on the ice, and I said this forever, I understand the game is fast. I understand you need multiple referees to be able to see things that happen because it is that fast up there. It truly is, and I agree with that. But because it's two referees, you have what happened last night. Neither of them put their hand up. And then all of a sudden they go, oh, maybe that should have been a call. Well, too bad. You missed it. Too bad you missed it. You don't have the the right to go back and say, you know what? We talked this over and we think you should have a penalty now. I just don't. I, it just it just creates an illusion that is not good for the game, there in my opinion. So, expect to this one more angle on this, Lou, that I'm going to share with you. All right, and because you've lived it and I've lived it, so here we go. So I, I'm getting text today, Ken, and we're going to talk about what the Oilers need to do to improve because they need to improve. Well, yep. we're getting text today. Ken Holland's sitting on his hands. He's not doing anything. He hasn't been proactive. I'm going to second guess in the management. Jay Woodcroft's got the wrong tandems together. He needs to do this. He needs. I'm going to second guess the coaching. This player, you know, Bouchard, forget about it. He's never going to be any good. Uh, you know, you guys value McLeod too much. Uh, McDavid and Drysaddle aren't winners. They can't get this. Like, so, so the coach, the players get second guessed. Stoffer, you're a homer. You know, you're an idiot. You're brutal. You suck. You know, uh, DeBras, yep. shut up. You don't know anything. You know, you're, you're right. <laughs> Sometimes I don't. <laughs> all right, but at the end of the day, every all those parties, the general manager, the coach, the players. Even broad, there, there's a dialogue out there with them, right? And there's yeah. an opportunity. Like the GM has to talk, the coach has to talk, the players have to co- talk. In our roles, and we're privileged to have them. Make no mistake about that. But we we talk. There's this. It's almost a protectionism that exists in the with the officials in the league. They don't have to talk. And and Stephen Watkins was like the well, director. Of, he doesn't talk either, Louis. I'm going to go back to what I talked about earlier. And, I'm, and listen, I know they're not going to change it back to a one official, but maybe one designated official that is the is the guy that communicates with both teams on a regular basis. Um, the reason I say that is because it's the same message. Now I know both guys are trying to have the same message. Listen, I'm I, I'm going to tell you this right now. A disclaimer: I know that's a very difficult job. It is a very difficult job, but it's a job they chose. And you know what? When they do it well, we're never going to complain about it. We don't. You know, honestly, if it's a hard-fought game where the officiating is solid, we'd never talk about the officials, which is great. And maybe we should. Maybe we start giving them a little bit of thumbs up and positivity when they do make really good calls and are solidly controlling a game. And that's something that personally I'll try and do a little bit more. If I see a really well-officiated game, I'm going to mention it more because I don't. We always pick out the negatives. But going back to when there was one official on the ice, there was a relationship there. There was a lot more communication between the players and the official. And I think it's gotten to a point now where it's almost like there's microphones everywhere, there's cameras everywhere, and they just don't want to be involved in a confrontation where they're hot, where they say something they don't want to say. So as a result, they don't say anything. And I just don't think that's good either. You have to have that communication because there's 40 guys on the ice you're controlling on the ice with both teams respectively dressing 20, one guy on the bench as far as a goaltender backup that doesn't get on the ice, and then a multitude of coaches on each bench respectively. Right? So 
they're dealing with a lot of outside noise is what I'm saying. But if they can control that and initiate that and be the ones that say, hey, I'm not going to listen. And that's all the guys had to say back in the day, honestly. And we respected the officials. I think maybe that's gone by the wayside a little bit, too. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and disagree and say the players haven't lost some respect because I think they have. I really do. I think that they've lost respect for each other both. Ways. And, that, and that's also not a good thing. So, but there would be that communication where it'd be like, settle it down. Right away off a face-off. Hey, don't do that again. Stop getting your stick in there in the scrum. Stop punching guys in the head. There was always constant communication, and there was a control factor. And if you broke that rule, then you deserve to get the penalty because he's warned you. I just don't know if the players right now sometimes understand. They go into a game, and they get a call. And just the look on their face says it all for me, Bob. I look at them, and they're like, are you kidding me? You're calling me for that? Like, wait a second. And then I sit there and say, okay, now, if you're going to call that early, call that through it the rest of the game, and then it doesn't get called later in the game. And then that's where I get frustrated because I'm sitting there going, okay, we're trying to talk about these things and explain it to the viewers at home and the listeners at home on a regular basis, like, what's going on? And we can't even explain it because we have no idea. We're like, well, I don't know. I really don't know how they're officiating the game tonight because it's very inconsistent. Again, I really do know that they're trying to work on this. But it's, this started last year, I think, on, on more of a, a larger magnitude as far as, you know, really recognizing that there was some stuff going away here. And I don't know what it was. I think the bubble, everybody had a hard time with that. It was so quiet in the building. But it's something they're working on. They need to work on it. And I think there needs to be maybe a little more respect on the player's side, too. Whatever it takes, I don't okay. care. It just okay. needs to be better. Okay, very quickly, Randy says the reality is that if Bovillier doesn't jump dry settle and start punching him, the play goes on and there's no penalty. So why did the whistle go? And I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. Well, that's kind of what we're saying. Well, go back to Yamamoto. I mean, I'm sorry. Russ Colton takes his glove off and throws a bare-fisted knuckle punch at Kyler Yamamoto because of the hit on, um, I don't even know who it was now, by Fogel. Um, yeah, Purvis. And you know, you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So... Not even called. No call in that play. And I'm sorry, that's, again, only perception that I have because these are the games we're doing right now. I go, wait a second, this is kind of happening on a regular basis. So, And he hasn't come back to lineup since. Very quickly, Louie, very quickly, are we at the stage where maybe for the short term, maybe for just one game, you reunite McDavid and Drysaddle five on five? They haven't played a lot together yeah. this year. Do you need to do that to generate some offense? I mean, I understand why he doesn't want to, because it really makes you thin depth-wise. No question about it. I think, though, maybe early in the game. We see it late in the game all the time when the team is chasing. Maybe give these guys a chance to get the lead. So maybe when there's an opportunity, when you catch a line out there late, and it's a long shift and it's an icing, and they're on the ice, chuck them out there and say, okay, handle these guys for 35, 40 seconds. See what you can do. And that's that's what I mean. I, I would suggest that if I wanted to see anything, it would be early in the game. I know they can't play together all the time because they're just way too valuable separated to make the team harder to play against. And the teams are playing right now are deep. Let's just face it. They've got good, deep teams they're playing right now, and they have to spread that wealth out. Um, without Kane, without Yamamoto, they become even less of a team that can structure their lineup the way they want you to go head-to-head with respective teams. So, but maybe early in the game, as we've talked about penalties early on, we've talked about goals against, defending, um, maybe play with the lead a little bit more often. That might give them a chance to have the lead if they chuck those guys out there a few times early on to uh, to just get the momentum in their own favor. Um, well, we are 20 games into the season, and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have played a grand total 
of 61 minutes together all season yeah. long, five on five. So yep. about three minutes a game. Uh, obviously, they've uh, outscored the opposition, outshot the opposition, outcoursed the opposition, and have a higher expected goals. One more for you. Uh, just yeah, like, and then uh, on the flip side of this, I mean, Ryan McLeod's taken a little step back here lately. So therefore, yes, he when, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you know, can certainly fill in that second hole. But you're gonna you're gonna judge all of this on how everybody's playing. If guys are, are playing right now, flying in all cylinders and firing, sorry, and you know. You've got a third line you feel really comfortable. I know Yanmark and Costin did some good things again, drew a penalty cost and drove the puck to the net. That line continues to play well and continues to have that synergy and, and chemistry. That's a line that you could always use in a matchup position. I think that's obviously the goal down the stretch. And then maybe you can start to load them up a little bit and put some guys with Nugent Hopkins in a second situation right now without Kane and without Yanmark. When everybody's healthy, you could do it a little bit more regularly, but it's a little more difficult now. It truly is. Great stuff, Louie. Um, one more for you, and it's up your alley. And and I think it's one of the reasons why the Oilers work their way into the game. They don't have physicality in their bottom six where they can just go out there. We've seen some teams play lately where their fourth lines can be really dominant in the games. I I, 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 I think the Oilers' solutions have... fourth lines in the game right now. I think the other solutions. The fourth line in Jersey is pretty darn good, and the one in the Islanders last night was pretty darn. Well, they could have had ba- they, Louis. They could have had Bastion last year, but they had people that didn't think Bastion could help them, and they were wrong. He was in Seattle. He was being healthy, scratched. He's represented by Jeff Jackson, and they had people here at the time that no, Bastion's not tough. And I'm like, yeah, but he can play. Like he's a fourth line guy that can play. He turned out to be on their first unit power play. And on their second unit PK, he was $800,000. Seattle was healthy scratching him. When he's being healthy scratched in Seattle, you have to reach out and be proactive and see if you can go get this guy. Because you had enough information on him to know that he might be able to help you out. He's $800,000 player. It doesn't matter if you have cap issues. He just replaces another guy in the, the bottom six. So there's there's an illustration. Big, big right-hand shot. No, I agree. I mean, listen, hindsight's twenty twenty. But yes, like, you know what? Like You I know agree. it was brought up, though. Like, you know, you, 100%, you, you know what? And I, I think those are discussions that happen every day, Bob. I truly do. And yeah. sometimes you pull the trigger on them. Sometimes you don't. Are you, are you asking me if they need to go out there and start searching for more of a gritty bottom? Come seat? on. We all know they do, Louie. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about this at length. And I think that that's probably the goal for them to do that. Obviously, the reason they brought Yanmark in, this costing kid is a big kid, 6 for 215. He's been abrasive. And that's where he's playing right now. Now, on a real deep team, he's on the fourth line. That's your fourth line. That's how I see it. And then it becomes a really good fourth line. So you have to understand that. The deeper this team gets, the healthier they get back, all of a sudden guys start getting pushed down that lineup. I do believe their fourth line will be a lot better. So it just it, I'm just being devil's advocate here. It goes hand in hand. They, they've, got, they've got some issues here up against the cap, but could they go out there and try and tweak here and there? I, I, would, I would suggest to you that if Kenny Holm is being honest right now, there's no question he's thinking about this right now. 100%. And on a fairly regular basis. So don't think that he's not thinking about this because he truly is. He's thinking every single day about what he can do to make this team better. It's just not, not that easy to go out there and pull the trigger right now. Louie, uh, if you want, you can meet us in the lobby at 2 o'clock and meet 60 of your biggest fans this afternoon. Sorry, 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock our time after the show's over. <laughs> All right? All right. Take care, bud.
Good to see you. If you're looking for the perfect Holloway, uh, holiday gift, a uh, Holloway gift, uh, well, I'd be a gift to see uh, Dylan Holloway snipe one here. If you're looking for the perfect holiday gift, the you can join Oilers now in Vegas this January to see the Oilers play their Pacific Division rivals, the Vegas Golden Knights. This new West travel package includes airfare, three nights at the five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel on the Strip, great game tickets, and a welcome reception with yours truly. For the Oilers now Hockey Vegas package, reach out to New West Travel or visit newwesttravel.com. We are going to go to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, he's got a new book out, longtime post-media columnist Steve Simmons, when we return on Oilers Now.